The holiday season is now upon us. The year is absolutely flying by, and the news never stops. That's why we at the DSR Network have expanded our programming to cover even more of the world's events. We hope you will consider supporting our work by becoming a member. Members enjoy an ad-free listening experience, bonus content for virtually all of our shows, an invitation to the member-only Slack community, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of November, you can take 50% off the membership price for the first month. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code STUFFING at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code STUFFING. Thank you very much for your support. Hello and welcome to your DSR Daily. I'm one of your co-hosts, David Rothkopf, joined as ever by Chris Kotmar. How are you doing, Chris? Doing well, thank you. Excellent. And Riley Fessler, how are you today, Riley? Just peachy. We're coming back from a three-day weekend. We thought that we would have Monday off because it was a three-day weekend. Actually, the government gave us Friday off, which is very confusing. Uh, but don't worry, we've been on it. We've got the stories. First one, Chris. So as Friday approaches and a government shutdown looms, uh, Speaker Johnson will send a bill today to the House floor, um, essentially bypassing House rules uh, to get the bill to the floor in the first place because of our friends on the hard right. Um, The bill will require uh, Democratic support. But if it passes the House, it's expected to pass the Senate, as both Chuck Schumer and uh, Mitch McConnell have stated that they support the passage of the bill. I wish we didn't have to have these conversations every month about looming government shutdowns. It's getting insane and ridiculous. Uh, but here we are, and I'm hoping you know, we can get this put to bed uh, before Friday. Yeah, I've been thinking, I think the Republicans are pioneering a new political movement. I call it dysfunctionalism, where everything they do is focused on making the government more dysfunctional. But this two-tiered plan, uh, uh, this laddered plan that uh, Johnson seems to be going forward with, looks like everybody is going to hold their nose uh, and have it go forward. Because history shows if you're responsible, and it's always Republicans who are responsible for a government shutdown, it hurts you politically. Riley? So the Supreme Court unveiled a new ethics code uh, in response to months and months and months of controversies about every new story about kind of strange ethical violations coming out of the Supreme Court. Um, They released a statement accompanying the code, which rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. Um, It kind of said that the guidelines are mostly a compilation of standards that they've already tried to follow, Um, which, I mean, based on what we know, if they've tried to follow it, they've failed. So I'm kind of curious how this will be any different as it's not binding and it's really self-enforcing. There's not an enforcement or investigation mechanism associated with this code. It's down to the individual to self-police. So... I'm skeptical of this. I'm curious your thoughts, David, if you think this will actually make a big difference. It'll make no difference. It is another uh, reaffirmation of the Supreme Court's sense of its own impunity, of it being above the law. It's pretending to set an ethics code. 
uh, which has no teeth in it. Even though it has no teeth, it even has a big loophole in it about participating in events of third-party organizations, which is the kind of thing that Clarence Thomas did. Um, and I think, you know, in a normal world, it would produce outrage on Capitol Hill and a movement to codify this in law and to give it some teeth. Who's going to police it? This is just nonsense. It's performative. It's um, uh, it's something that should worry you because it's just another step down the road to confirming that certain people in our government, including Supreme Court, certain presidents, certain members of Congress, see themselves as above the law. Chris? President Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping are set to meet at the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit on the sidelines uh, to discuss a number of issues, um, including, and this list is long, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, North Korea's ties with Russia, Taiwan, human rights, artificial intelligence, fair trade, and economic relations. Um, I'm, I'm. It's a, it's a laundry list of of issues. Uh, while I was uh, writing this up, I saw <clears throat> a story um, that was published by Bloomberg that said that China and the United States agreed to curb uh, the use of fentanyl in China, um, though I think some were skeptical that that would actually, uh, anything would actually come of that. Um, but obviously the relationship with China and all that's going on in the world is significant. Uh, the fact that we're meeting with the Chinese president um, is obviously significant. I, I personally am not optimistic. I think, you know, a lot of these things, while they need to be discussed in face-to-face diplomacy, is important. Um, window dressing. I don't think it's window dressing. It's very important for personal relationships to be at the center of these uh, kind of big multi- or bi- bi- uh, lateral relationships. And there is no relationship more important than the one with China. In the past, when Xi Jinping sits down with Joe Biden, uh, we have made progress towards a more constructive relationship. Uh, The Bali meeting last time around uh, indicates that. But of course, there's one thing that wasn't on your list, Chris. And, you know, this is a big problem for all of us who live here in Washington. What was it? No pandas. We want the pandas back. You know, and I I just don't see a healthy U.S.-China relationship without pandas at the National Zoo. And I hope Xi Jinping is listening to this podcast as he does every morning. Riley. So we got the first tidbits of information from Jenna Ellis and Sidney Powell. Um, ABC obtained some video of their first proffer sessions. And this is part of that plea deal they took uh, last month. So the big information really came from Ellis's where she told prosecutors about senior White House official Dan Scavino And he allegedly told her that Trump would refuse to leave the White House despite losing the election, saying, quote, the boss is not going to leave under any circumstances. And this just kind of reinforces stories we've already heard, but it gives a more direct and tangible example of this sentiment apparently among White House officials that Trump was not going anywhere and that he was fully, fully planning to just kind of stay in the White House. Um, Powell's was... A little less concrete, but she also alleges that Trump was keenly interested in all of her efforts to overturn the elections. 
saying that he repeatedly called her to check in on the progress. So they're saying it's not a kill shot, either of these yet, but it is just more, more fuel for the prosecutors. Uh, yeah, it's pretty ugly. Um, you should try and watch the video if you can see it. You know, having top advisors to the president tell their lawyers that they don't think the president's going to leave, even though at that point it was absolutely clear he had lost the election, uh, is, is pretty damning stuff. If this is admissible, and there's still the attorney-client issue to get over, but if this is admissible, it will be very damning for Donald Trump. Chris? I'm starting to come around to the government's case against Google in their antitrust uh, monopoly trial. Um, I was flipping through stories last night, and I come across this story where uh, the witness... um, that was testifying on behalf of Google, quote, let it slip that in addition to paying Apple to be the default search engine on their phones, they are also sharing 36% of the advertising revenue that's generated through the Safari browser. Um, And Eddie Q uh, of, of Apple defended the um the agreement saying we actually wanted more um the fact is competitors just don't have the resources to compete at, uh, on this level um and because of that uh, i'm starting to see the merits of the government's case against google um i'm still you know the the consumer side of this is a little bit iffy but I also started thinking through, you know, what would happen if, you know, this essentially gets uh, settled uh, against Google and there'll be a significant impact on Apple's revenue as much as um, on Google's, you know, hold on search. So this this trial is, is really starting to get interesting. You were rooting for Google? That you know, it makes perfect sense to me. You root for the Dallas Cowboys, you root for Google. You root for the overdog. What who roots for the overdog? I root for ease of use. How about that? I, I don't root for Google, um, who does no evil. Wow. Riley Riley save us. Well, I've, I've, I've got some bad news for you. So the fifth national climate assessments uh, came out over the weekend, and it's the first since 2018. Uh, the last one, the Trump administration kind of released the day after Thanksgiving to try and sweep it under the rug. Uh, but these reports are a great barometer for kind of how the country is doing. Uh, this one had over 900 experts contribute, um, and it doesn't paint a great picture, Um it just really goes into how dramatically extreme weather events have increased in frequency and intensity everywhere in the country. Um, talks about the inequality um, of burden for dealing with these events, especially in low-income areas and communities of color, just lacking the critical infrastructure they need. And it has pretty grim forecasts as well about food yields and ac- access to nutritious food. Um, but the silver lining is that despite the doom and gloom, it does say that there's a path forward 
and that the most dire consequences are not inevitable if we if we take action. So it's something important to look at. Um, I encourage everyone to continue to check out our Road to COP28 series where we talk with experts about these exact issues. We have a new panel uh, this week. So I encourage everyone to tune into that for more about this. Yeah, absolutely right. Definitely tune into it. It's a remarkable series. It is. Uh, it has very quickly become one of the most closely followed uh, podcast series anywhere on any climate issues. Uh, and I think you've summed up the summary of this uh, 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 recent set of findings very well, Riley. Basically, the punchline is uh, everything's going to hell, but the silver lining is we were all going to die anyway. Um, which reminds me, don't miss, we're all going to die radio later this week. Uh, also from your friendly neighborhood podcasters. Uh, until then, thank you, Riley. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everybody. And come back tomorrow for more of the news with a little bit, a little soupçon of analysis. Until then, bye-bye.